Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, roll, compassion, great passion, fiction, gold, ultimate gold, glory, relentless training, pain, pain. <laughs> Dude, I can't believe. So, like, I feel like Redgrave is impressive, but Pinsent. Dude. Dude, this guy was. I think. I also, I looked at. Yeah, he, he might should be, the be best, in the conversation. He, he might be yeah, the I best. saw. I saw dude, when you put down there four goals, ten world champions. I'm like, fuck, dude, that is dude, a lot. On his world rowing sheet, the first international race he did as a junior in 1987, he came fourth, and then his second, the next time that at a world championship or Olympics that he missed the podium was. This was 2003 in, in the pair. 2003. They came fourth. Yeah, they came fourth in the pair. 16 years later. Dude, oh, that's disgusting. So he should, we should probably, I don't know, dude, it's going to be interesting because I also looked at Matthew Piston and I'm like, the only reason why I would not say that is because he did, I feel like he moved out the pair into the four as like a safe option because because Drew Ginn and James Tompkins win the pair. So like that I feel like that's a big thing that counts against yeah, you in a way if you're talking about also like might the, be, the goat. That also might be um Jurgen not um not him. Not him. Okay. Yeah. Let's get going though. Let's just talk some shit about rowing. Okay. But hold on, let me just say one thing before we go. So I was thinking we are talking about the greatest of all time, but like as I was going along, we could talk about like how certain people might have hold the best at something. Like, for example, Eskil could be the best lightweight and like fucking James mm. Tompkins can have like the king of sweep. Um, I mean, you I can even say... The, I think the conversation is going to direct itself a fair amount. Okay. And I All think right. we mustn't be like set on ending in a specific place. And I think right. if we end up just discussing all of these cool athletes and not even having that much of a debate about Hamish and Redgrave. Maybe that's what we should do today is like, okay. just talk about all these cool athletes, talk about all their highlights, all their like cool stuff. And then if we, if that goes really well, we can convert that into almost a debate. Um, that's you know, point. almost like a, a second part where we really okay. debate two athletes. Who's the best. All right we're talking about the greatest rows in our sport. So for me, there's like, uh, it's almost like a certain level of respect. And I, I kind of thought like along the way, I'm like, dude, I'm just a fucking peanut here. And I'm talking about these guns. I can't really, you know, fucking be talking shit about them for an hour. Like, what does that say about me? So no, exactly. So like, exactly. We've got to respect like their position relative to us as well. That's kind of what I was saying. Like we're not here to like knock anyone for anything. No, exactly. We had to like, Hundred percent, dude. Right. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to a very different but epic episode of the Row Show. Today we are discussing the greatest of all time, and as always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, and with me, Jake Green. And like Lawrence said, we're going to have a very interesting. Um, 
discussion today. And uh, this is, you know, we did our research and this is actually quite a complicated and complex question to get right because, you know, rowing is a sport of many decades. It has so much history. You have the Olympics, you have different events. Um, there are a lot of things that actually, you know, you have to consider. And it's like, it's not quite in a, a sport like something else where, you know, it's head to head, apples for apples. Like there are a lot of things that you that are that you have to kind of weigh up. So it's a very interesting discussion. I think it's good it's a good conversation and, and we we'll be talking about the greatest of all time, but we'll also be talking about the rowers that are in that discussion, if that makes sense. So there are a lot of people that have been in our sport that are absolute guns and um, are very much deserve their spot here. Hey Lawrence. For sure. And if you're new to our podcast and this is your first episode, we maybe suggest going to listen to something else, one of our, our athlete interviews or something along those lines, because this is the first time we're kind of doing the style of, of episode where me and Jake are just discussing um, kind of a theme. And, you know, usually we interview athletes and we really hear their side of the story and we really dig into to how amazing they are. So, we're going to try and keep it the same. We, we're not here to, to cut anyone down. And if we miss anyone that you guys really wanted to hear about, don't uh, feel uh, feel free to, to message us and berate us. Jake can always take the criticism. Um, and also maybe a bit of jargon, Jake. I mean, we, I know we're saying the uh, GOAT and we're saying, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the phrase GOAT. But if, you, if you're not sure what that means, we just, it's just an acronym for greatest of all time. So yeah, come on, guys! Got to get, get on a level. Yeah, you got to get into into the the kind of the the jargon that uh, that we're going to use. And I think Jake, let's start off with. Um, so today's we're just going to discuss the guys. Uh, when we looked into doing both, uh, first of all, there's so much data out there, and we are going to already have missed so many aspects uh, that we probably should have discussed and we probably should have got into. And we don't want to kind of deal anyone short. And when we look at the women, there are some incredible women out there. And if we're looking at guys versus girls, I feel like it's pretty clear that girls come out on top because they there's more medals. There's more people in the top 10 with medals. There's and just the doubling up. That's something that you don't find in the men's, the men's side of things. Like, yes, every now well, and then. Well, that might see... be a defining factor. No, yeah, it might be a defining factor. I see Lawrence has got... <laughs> He's got his trump cards in pocket. I see your hand already. It's your mistake releasing it too soon. But yes, <laughs> doubling up is a big thing in the woman. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 also like you know there's a lot to get through here, and, and I think Lawrence alluded to it quite well. The one thing I really like about this episode is that just 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 because of this conversation, we are going to be making mistakes, and I really want to hear from the listeners at what they thought about it because like. I feel like there might be a name here that we didn't list. You know, we did we did a pretty good job of like making a short list of some exceptional athletes, as you will soon hear about. But um, yeah, it's going to be amazing, and for sure, we'll give the women um, their their uh, conversation in themselves. But you know, it's all about managing things in in, in digestible sizes. So today, we're just going to be looking at the men's side of the the equation. But I think Jake, before we just uh, move on from that, I think let's just discuss. So when we go and look, and you look at just pure Olympic results, Olympic medals, and you look at the top seven athletes, first of all, five of those are women, and mm. the best, Elizabeth Leeper, which we've often spoken about on the show, eight 
Olympic medals. So she equals Red Gray's five golds. Then she also has two silvers and then she has a bronze medal and over five Olympic games. So, I mean, it is unbelievable and kind of untouchable as well. And then you still have another three Romanians in the top seven and Catherine Boren from uh, Germany in the, in the top seven with still, and all of them have more than uh, have five or more goal, uh, five or more medals at the Olympic games. So the women's side is definitely something that we're going to need to um, dig into in a whole new episode because there's so much to cover there as you'll see how much there is to cover on the men's side as we, as we're going to get into today. So Jake, should we move on? Yeah, should we should we just chat to the listeners about uh, maybe a bit of about the methodology and, and and the you know what things we were trying to consider when we were we're talking about who we we shortlisted, hey? For sure, I think you should you should definitely come into that. And all I can say to that is the more things we considered, the more things there were to consider. So like yeah. as you dig into one level, you realize that there's another it's three like levels, a rabbit hole. and you and you got to go you got to go in deeper. So. Definitely, as we say, we're going to miss stuff. We're going to upset people. That's kind of our point. So, Jake, exactly. go into the methodology, so, please. There were there were four big elements that uh, we kind of uh, drew up that are the be the main um, aspects to consider. The biggest one, and obviously the most obvious one, is the results. So, naturally, you know, elite rowing is a performance driven sport. So. You know, results at the end of the day are what counts on on the sheet and and what you really, you know, take home and it counts a lot towards your legacy. And within that, we considered Olympic medals, World Championship medals, world best times, um, and then also an interesting thing that we call Apex Mountain, which is just a, a a term that we use to kind of describe when an athlete was in the prime of their career. A stolen um, term, Jake. Don't be don't stolen be ashamed term. that we. We, we stole this from another podcast. Yeah, don't worry. We, I think it's a pretty, it's such a good term to use like the pinnacle of someone's career. Like, you know, when you, especially when you're talking to, uh, talking about athletes that have had the most stellar careers and the most like unbelievable results and performances, mm. you know, there has to be a, even when you're talking amongst gold medalists, there has to be a point that that is a, where there's a peak. So yeah. I think that and just it's, kind of sums up what uh, what Apex Mountain is, and that itself is it's also it's like it is just an interesting conversation. Is like you know if you just take an athlete like Mahe Drysdale, you know was a 2008 Olympic cycle Mahe better than the 2016 cycle, and like there's so many things you weigh up in, in that, and it, that itself is another rabbit hole. But anyway, moving on, we, the second big point we we wanted to consider is psych, uh, physiological capabilities. So the big one. You know, another huge uh, factor in rowing is the ergo data. I would say maybe less as the research, we did more research. I kind of considered this a bit less because, you know, rowing rowing is in itself is like, you know, it's a watercraft sport. The ergo is just a, psycho, a physiological like measurement, a pure physiological measurement. But we also considered other performances outside rowing that kind of lend themselves towards what is suggestive about um, an athlete's uh, performance capabilities yeah and um, i mean as you go also go further back in time you also don't you know the ergo becomes less important as it becomes less of a tool that uh, that people used so it's only really 
in the '90s where the Ugo really started to take off and 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 started to become like a, a household kind of rowing um, measurement that people everyone wanted to know. And then also going back on a step, Jake, that actually. I know this is probably a really crucial element that maybe we're going to brush over today, but it is something that we're going to need to dig into. And you already mentioned it, the world records. And it's maybe like a whole job by itself as to go back in time and work out who held which world records at what time and for how long. Because, you know, even just looking at uh, someone like Redgrave, you know, it's really difficult to know when he held world records and how long he held world records for and how what were those world records you know that's like it's a it's probably something that you know you need to go and do a study on basically and you know we've asked world rowing for their data their race data to be able to kind of start to build a database that we can get this kind of um, information from but it's Mm. it's really tedious work and you know i think that's something that maybe over time we can start to build but it's a huge it's also, project. It's a ginormous, like you said, it's a ginormous data set. Like uh, I remember, I think I watched you load that onto your Excel and I think that broke your laptop. That's why you have a new one now. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of data. And that wasn't even all the, that wasn't even all the racing. And then the problem is, is when you want to make a complete results sheet, you can't have any racing missing because as soon as you have some racing missing, it becomes a huge problem. So it's, oh man, it's just a a project. And you know what? I'm going to also, maybe some of our patrons can help us out with this because these guys and, and, you know, our patrons are unbelievable. Some of them are just ready to crunch numbers all day long. So, Mm. you know, maybe uh, Zach, uh, Adam, you know, some of you guys uh, get stuck in there. (laughs) I see you in the image shaming guy. Oh, for sure. You know, Zach, I remember Zach messaging me when he first became a patron and it was like a year or two after the great debate episode that we did uh, between the eight and the skull. And then he came with all of these data, all of these uh, whole oh, facts like basically yeah. of like why we had made the wrong choice and this is the data that supported this and that. And like, you know, that's the kind of enthusiasm that we need when you come to, when it comes to world records. And like, Maybe tackling one boat class at a time is like the way we need to do it. And like yeah. just looking back, like, here, yeah, these people hold this world record from here to here. Who had it before? And then just going kind of as the as the peak, not in, in more depth than that. Yeah, definitely. Because what I would love to know also, what I would love to know, and I know now we're getting like completely sidetracked, but I would love to know who else. Like, so if you take all of the men's pair, for instance, and you say, cool, Hamish and Eric have the fastest time. They also have the second fastest time. Then, like, who has the third fastest time? Yeah, I think it is British guys from 2014. But then, like, kind of going into that detail of, like, okay, who had the second fastest time and, like, did they ever hold the world record? And then kind of seeing back at, like, okay, cool, these guys held the world record in the 80s. and But actually, currently, they would be, like, not even in the top 10 or whatever of time mm. throw it in the pairs. So it's kind of that info that I would love to know. And I think that would be so epic it would also be a good um it would be a good way to compare the different world records in rowing because like i know you know everyone has their opinions of which world records are faster than others because you know it's hard because it's so open it's you know it's a water sports conditions play a factor 
there's a lot of variables that go into this and that would be such a good tool to kind of like measure up what records are faster than others well it's easy jake the men's pair record is the yeah. fastest then the men's four record and then, <laughs> then the rest. we, we are the slightly rest bl- we are that. slightly biased <laughs> <laughs> we have vested interests in those events particularly the pair and the four and um, I think coming in the last, in the in the, the easiest world record, I still think it's the easiest world record is the women's lighting uh, double. And I still not think anymore. that that has... Not anymore. Not that it's been broken now by... What did it get busted by like this year? Like five, six eight seconds? Eight seconds, I think. Eight I seconds, still think it's, dude. I think no. it's... Uh, did they go... They didn't go under uh, 640 yet. I think it's... No, I think it was it like 642, 641, somewhere around there. No, but no it's, I think it's, it's 640 flat now. I think it's 640 flat. Check. It just got broken. It was like hadn't been broken in this year. It broke like three or four times. It was like it was mm. the, the the dam breached and it was a flat. Yeah. Basically. Mm. The same as anyway, the, the, the four minute mile. Just the same. Oh, that's a good point there. Lawrence coming with some knowledge there. But anyway, yeah, uh, the other other two aspects we considered was technical capability, which is a tricky one because it's so subjective. But a big thing that goes into this is like the athlete's ability to swap boat classes and disciplines. And you'll see there a couple athletes will bring up that really shine in this regard. And I think it is a, a thing that we should consider because it's incredibly hard to get this right, especially, you know, going into another event where there's a set hierarchy of things and then, you know, being able to still perform well. Like, you know, that's that's that in itself is a really impressive feat. For sure. You know, and like, I think in that there's there is so much, and you'll see we're gonna get it. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to wait to talk about specific athletes before we get into that a yeah. bit more. But there is a huge amount uh, to go into there, and then. But I think going back, I think that the the biggest crux of the the question is: is the best rower someone that has a very long career or a very or or individually very good performance? And I think that's where the the balance is going to be you know is it someone that is you know one for the most amount of years or is it someone that has the the fastest time basically i mean i think that that's kind of the crux of it and i think then because those are such fine elements to discuss i think then we're going to go into all these other elements and, and what else makes an athlete good because then that will kind of swing the balance a little bit yeah no that is a <clears throat> that is a very good point and that that's a nice segue because i was just about to say the third element which i think is going to be another crucial crucial part of the conversation and another tricky one but a, a really important one is the competitive context in which these athletes performed so who did they compete against what what were the stories behind their successes? Like Hamish taking time off coming into the eight. That's a that's a cool story of success that really is a feather in his cap. And the last point, already, hey? laying what down. How notable <laughs> were their races in terms of how competitive w- were they? How important were the wins? The spectator value, you know that yeah. that how realm of how rewatchable comp- were they? Yes, how rewatchable were they? How that that competitive context I think is going to be very important when we discuss the athletes that we have on the list because you know there's there's no point in being the best of all time if you were if you were competing um in a slightly weaker field than others but i can assure you the athletes that we have on this list have made their names known amongst champions in themselves 
Cool. So I think we, we've, we've spoken a lot about our kind of methodology, but now we need to actually start mentioning some names. And I think what's really important is I think we're going to move towards our most important athletes that we, or that our opinion that, um, that we, we think are the most important athletes, but we're not starting with our least important athletes. I think the, the, no. the, the first, like at least five athletes that we talk about are basically in their own bracket. They are part of the conversation, but they, they, I mean, I, I think we'd have to have a whole episode to even discuss just kind of differences between these, these first, you know, five or six athletes that we, we're going to mention. And I think, so Jane, you, uh, Jake, who, who uh, go? No, I was just going to say, just to add on to that, like, there is the the reason these people are in this conversation to start off with is because they are truly champions amongst champions, exceptionally talented rowers and athletes and individuals. And like, you know, we might be talking about their results and trying to, you know, measure up their capabilities as an athlete. But despite that, they are really legends and greats of the sport. So big respect oh, to think- everyone that we're considering here. For sure. And I mean, we're definitely not going out to to bash anyone or, or cut anyone down. I think our biggest offense that we're going to go, that we're going to get into today is missing someone. You mm. know, there's someone on this list that should be on this list for sure. And we're yeah. going to not talk about them. And I think that is, I think, where our, 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 um, our fall is going to be. But I think, Jake, let's talk about... Who's the oldest person on our list? Yeah, I think let's let's go from from age. Okay, age. Well, uh, I actually don't know, but anyway, I'll just throw a number, name out there. The first name and probably a good starting point off here: a real legend in the sport, a, a larger than life personality, um, and everyone's you know everyone's basically favorite rowers, Olaf Tufter. And what a good starting point to, to to begin our conversation. He just finished, you know, his uh, his his last Olympic Games. That's seven Olympic Games, a quarter of all modern day Olympics, and he has a plethora of fantastic results, fantastic races, and an incredible legacy that you know he's left for for the rest of the rowing world. I think that stat, Jake, is ridiculous. The fact that there have been Olympic Games since, what is it, 1886? 1896 was the first modern Olympics. I mean, 1896, sorry, not 1896, not 86. But the fact that there have been modern Olympics since 1896, and he has been part of a quarter of them, is one of the most mind-blowing statistics out there. Mm. You know, to do seven Olympic Games is, is... so outrageous. I mean, it's 21 years, extra year for, for Tokyo. So it's 22 years. That's if he just rocked up and, you know, went straight into, into the game. So it's a monumental um, period of time that he's been performing and to come up with so many medals that he's had across so many different disciplines is also yeah. like really impressive. And, you know, we're going to speak a lot about like switching between different boat classes. And he's one of the few athletes that has done Olympic games in sweep and in uh, in sculling. And, you know, he started off in the sweep side in the men's four and then moving across into the, into the double, into the skull, back into the double, finishing off in the quad. I mean, it's uh, it's quite a repertoire of, um, of different boat classes that he has. Definitely. And, you know, I think 
obviously Olaf made his his name known in the men's single skulls. And we were going to be talking about, you know, another big name on this list uh, a bit later on. But, you know, the men's single skulls, That's we all know that's the, the gladiator event. It's got its respect in its own right. There's certain aspects about that event that kind of puts it apart from some certain other events. And I think everyone around the world, just regardless of what they preferred, you know, what they preferred rowing boat is, they have a lot of respect from a skull. And, you know, Olaf went in there and I think that's where he really found himself. I mean, every single, I mean, he's got two Olympic gold medals in the skull back to back. And that's in itself is an incredibly impressive achievement. And both those races in 2004 in Athens and the one in 2008 in Beijing were uh, particularly uh, memorable races. And, um, you know, he's, he's really made himself in the skull. I feel like a defining factor was his ability to kick up the sprint in the last 300 meters. I think there's a, there's a passage of him talking about how you need to shock the boat. Shocking the boat. That's exclusive on the row show episode 15, 16, Olaf Tufte, you know, part one and two. And what a cool chat that was. So if you haven't listened to Sir Olaf, then you have to go back. And I think that you're highlighting one of the one of the most amazing parts about watching Olaf race is that, you know, often he wasn't up and he wasn't like just winning out of the blocks and dominating the race. You know, often he was at the back having to claw his way through and then having this huge uh, sprint through. So I think from a spectator point of view as well, he like he really won the crowd, won the, the the hearts of the fans because you know he was doing stuff that was you know exciting to watch and and really challenged the the rest of the field you know to 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 respond to his move at the end. And you know I think it also helps when you you know you're capitalizing on on others other other athletes making mistakes because you're now sprinting, you're forcing people under huge pressure and then managing to to put them under the pressure and, and come away with the win. There's always really really exciting and another thing about it is like the nice thing about the single and especially with Olaf you know he was rowing in the time where they were I mean they, the reality is they're always big names in the skull like there's never a point in time where there's like it's not a particularly notable field not that it ever was but he was rowing at a time you know getting those gold medals against you know Mahe Drysdale in his prime you know he was racing as Marcel Hacker um, even People like Yuri Janssen, he was, you know, he was racing against some really, really impressive people, Andre Sienik. And um, I think, you know, that that's that has a lot to say in itself when you have an athlete that's been able to perform well and consistently well in a in a in an environment where there are so many big names um in in the sport. And outside of the Olympics, you know, he has two time world champion, picked up a one silver at the world champs and three bronze medals. Um, and then he also got a silver medal in the in the double in 2000, and of course he got the bronze medal in 2016 in Rio. So, you know, his ability to stay uh, consistently strong throughout the reign of his career is another a big um, factor in his ability as an athlete is to stay strong um, at every single stage of his career, which is awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, we just carry on speaking about Ulof for ages. I mean, he's literally like a hero too nearly all rowers and you know I think anyone that's that's had a conversation with him or, or even watched him race you know you just know he's just a, a really good guy you know a farmer uh, back in Norway and you know it's just is definitely an athlete that we could uh, speak about for hours but I think we should move on cool guys so that 
is a wrap. We're going to call it there on our first ever Boathouse Banter episode. And yeah, and we're not sure where exactly this is going to take us, um, where the show is going to go and what we're going to discuss. But we enjoyed it a lot. And we have a few more in the bank that we're going to edit and put out for you guys. So let us know what you think. And obviously, we need your opinions. And uh, Jake, what did you think of our first Boathouse Banter episode? Yes, I I loved it. And, you know, I think Lawrence and I have been thinking about introducing some new formats for you guys out there, bringing out some more content. And I think this one is going to really stick. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we try new things out. We're not quite sure how the format is going to uh, kind of pan out from where we go so it's you know we'd love to hear from you guys so we can tailor it a bit more and and make it um top notch just just for you guys out there and then also you know we in that we've got some things in the pipeline we get some of our gold patreon members on the on the next episode of boathouse banter to to chat to them about um about who they think you know really does it who who's the 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 goats in the in the rowing scene and of course you know we've also been looking into uh, inviting special guests from the international rowing um you know the inter- international rowing community onto boathouse banter and just have some awesome round uh, roundhouse conversations with them for sure and i mean we we have our our patrons are, are we had such a cool chat with them so that'll be the next episode coming out and then we'll go on from there and we'll, we'll carry on bringing you guys these, uh, these awesome conversations and we'll see where it goes. And yeah, if you enjoy it, let us know. If you hate it, let Jake know. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> I'll take the criticism, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. Tops, guys. Um, that's a wrap from us. We're out. Yeah, we're out. We're not sure exactly. Oh my god! <laughs> Good start. I don't know if that was this, that would have been the record at the time. Yeah, but maybe we just like talk around it. So I need to put up a resource where you can see the the history of all these fucking um, Jake. All these times. If anyone is if anyone's gonna put that up, it's gonna be it's me us. Yeah, I know. That's what scares me, dude. I don't want to do that. <laughs> It's just so much work to do that. Even today, I was like looking at, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to make a, I wanted to make a win percentage of Mahir Drysdale, which I did, but it took me a while. I'm like, that was trash doing that.